But I've been thinking a lot about how we, what collage means to me, lives, what right? appeals to me about it. From the past and I just love, we take our experiences, I love um, and we patch other people's artwork. Kind of it's incredible to me that the world is sort of a, filled and has been filled for, for thousands of years meaning. by incredible things made by other people. Welcome to the Fine Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I am the host and creator, Aaron S, and for this week's episode, I had a conversation with the amazing Jenny Lloyd. Jenny is an artist currently based in Amsterdam whose work explores the limits of storytelling. Using both digital and analogue collage, Jenny creates eclectic images that often remix and recontextualize the original source material to make new narratives. Okay, right. So I'll start where I start with everybody, which should just tell us a bit about yourself and how you became an artist. So uh, I'm originally from the UK, but I live in Amsterdam. I, uh, when I was young, my mom uh, was very busy and she uh, gave me a lot of books to amuse myself with. Loads and loads and loads of fiction books, story books, but also she had a bunch of really beautiful picture books. Um, she had like um, a little pocket guide to like mushrooms, things like that, just little things and bigger ones as well. And I was absolutely obsessed with them. I would just like any book I could get my hands on, I would like sit on the floor and just turn the pages and just look at all the pictures. It was like my favorite thing to do. I was completely obsessed. And I think it just got into my head really, really early. And I didn't realize that you could, my whole childhood, I just didn't really realize that that could be your job, that you could make pictures for books, that I didn't really connect the idea that people, the pictures that you saw everywhere all around you, that someone made them. And then um, I went to high school. I did, I, I did really love drawing and art at primary school, junior school. But then I went to high school and you could have a choice to take art. And I was like, of course, that's like a no-brainer for me because I really loved it. And um, then I had a couple of really amazing art teachers and they were like yeah you can just do this and I was like what and I was like okay I'm going to be an illustrator so then I was like well that's what I'm going to do and no one really argued with me about it so I just did uh, that's what I aimed for and I did a degree a bachelor's degree in illustration at what was then Falmouth College of Arts but is now University College of Falmouth I think and uh yeah, and then I graduated and I was like, wow, it's really hard to get work. And then um, I did a bunch of, uh, I was lucky enough to get an agent in New York at the time. And uh, we did like a New York trip at the end of our third year as part of our professional practice. And I completely lucked out with a piece I'd made, which was actually a digital collage piece. I was just getting into digital at that time. Um, Adobe Photoshop 7 or something, I think, like 20 years ago. It's unreal, yeah. Um, And um, yeah, he really liked this one piece and got me a couple of book cover commissions. And then um, I just kind of slowly took off from there. Um, I had a lot of jobs tending bars in restaurants, in offices, working the finance industry, you know, like most artists it's really hard to just do art, especially when you just graduate at like 20, 21 or whatever. Um, And then I got into, it's a really long story, but I basically got into like corporate art and design at a skincare company in London around 2013 when I moved back from Ireland. 
and um, yeah, started in like corporate graphic design, which uh, was an experience. I learned a lot. I wouldn't do that now if I had the choice. Um, also, I'm the beauty industry is terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, I learned a lot and about what I didn't want to do as well as mm. what I wanted to do. And I had the opportunity to move to Amsterdam. Um, yeah, and I came here. And first I was just doing odd jobs, social media for people, branding, logo design, that kind of thing. I'm pretty confident in all of that kind of those kinds of things. And that's mostly what I've done in the last 10 years, graphic design work. It's the most regular, not always the most lucrative, but for, for sure the most uh, regular work. And then, um, and then uh, the corona pandemic hit and uh, as, um, as an independent artist in the Netherlands, you basically, when you get here, you set up your own business. You have like a small business. It costs you like 50 euros and then you pay all your taxes and stuff through that. And mm. so you're not employed. You're just employed by yourself. Basically, you're really self-employed rather than like freelance. And I, um, and when the coronavirus hit and I lost my clients because there were like restaurants or businesses in the city that had to be open in order to function. And we got like a payment from the Dutch government called the Tozo, which was basically like UBI. It basically was like universal basic income. Hmm. You've got like 1300 euros a month to pay your rent and also to um, just be able to live while you weren't working. And that went on for like nearly 18 months because we were in lockdown for a long time, way longer than the UK and much more wow. severe lockdowns. So my friends in London were partying and I was still, you know, not yeah. able to leave uh -huh. the house. Um, and I was like, they were phoning me from parties and I was like, I'm so glad you guys are having a great time. But don't ask me what I'm doing because <laughs> I'm just still at home. But I started to use digital collage in my artwork and start to investigate that, which was something I'd really loved when I was a teenager making collage artwork but I'd not really realized was a thing I could do I kind of got into like drawing and painting and more traditional things and I absolutely loved it it changed my whole practice and the way I want to do things and that was early 2020 yeah and so then about a year ago I started deciding that with the rise of AI and NFTs and like things in the digital space becoming much more difficult to navigate and having a culture that I really don't like. I decided to start making um, analog work again. So just tearing up paper and hmm. yeah, and I've been doing that for a year now. And I, I've kept some, my lovely uh, small business clients, which is amazing. And that pays my rent. Um, but in my private professional practice, I'm just, I guess doing a lot more fine art than I was before. Cause I've always been a designer first and foremost, um, I want to solve problems and I want to communicate. And that's the primary, the primary function of what I've always done. And now I'm trying to be a little bit more um, personally expressive or a bit more playful um, and a bit less literal, although that goes better and worse depending on the project I'm doing. That's quite interesting because you have a very nice balance of commercial and personal work. Like it's actually quite yeah. nice because a lot of the times, a lot of the artists I speak to either kind of just do one or the other or like you know, it's very kind of obvious what their personal work is and their commercial work is do you kind yeah. of have that weird interesting fine line between like your personal work could be your commercial work and vice versa I would love I would love to have the work I most love to do be the thing that pays the bills hmm. um I'm already incredibly lucky to be able to be a designer for a living um 
I'm absolutely delighted. I have my own schedule. I only do what I want to. If I've, I don't work for business, I only work for small ethical clients whose like business model I support. It's really important to me. Um, and, uh, but I would love to like be an independent artist, you know, and uh, I'm just about to start a Patreon. I'm just going to launch a Patreon in November. And um, I have a shop online that I've had for a while that just needs way more love and promotion. I have hmm. the problem is I have all these things made. I'm really good at starting a project and finishing it. I have a box of like handmade jewelry. I have like dozens of like postcard sets. And I just haven't managed to do the business part of putting them online. So I just need to do all of that. So if this, um, when this is out, all of that stuff will be ready, which is really exciting. Um, I've heard mixed reviews about how Patreon is going for people hmm. now. Uh, but, you know, uh, we'll see. My advice is you might as well try it. Because even if you try yeah. it for six months and it doesn't work out, yeah. you can just stop yeah. it. It's not that it's big totally of a deal. It's totally fine. I like, as, as a person, like, I've... Um, been a designer for 20 years um I went through the 2008 crash and lost all of my clients who were like small publishers for whom I did book covers and things like that and I was working in an architectural studio doing design and graphic design for them and they uh were also having a really bad time so and you know you've got to be flexible I just try everything okay. and see what happens there's there's nothing that lasts for like a long period of time, you just have to be super adaptable if you're going to be any kind of creative, I think. That's actually really good advice because I think we tend to forget that the place we're in now is not the place we're going to stay. Mm -mm. You know, just because you might be crazy and working, you might be getting, say, like loads of gallery shows or having, you know, a, a lot yeah. of selling a lot of paintings or whatever. That doesn't mean that's yeah. going to be the way forever. Things come and go. That's a good point. Yeah. And you can have a moment like, Trends change really fast. People are mm. always interested in like the next new thing. There is a kind of a, a sort of a, an objectification, a fetishization of like new graduates whose yeah. work is incredible, but they're like, it's sort of a fresh new talent thing. And yeah. I think sometimes they can get a little bit ground up and spit out by the beginnings of the career in an art industry, because it is an industry. Like mm. I hate the idea of the free market, but it exists and we're in it and we got to pay our rent. So you have to like take note about what's happening around you and the possibility that you can still be creative while not completely like losing yourself to whatever it is that you get money for, you know? Yeah. And anyone who manages to do that is already extremely lucky. But of course, the dream is to just get paid to do exactly what you want and like be Rothko, you know, <laughs> just hold yourself up and make incredible artwork that changed the world and have nobody bother you. But that's available to like 0.0001% of people. So what would be your dream project? I'm actually very excitingly sort of working on a dream project right now Ooh, with okay. an author and a writer called Rachel Stephen. She's um, a novelist and she's made films and she's a creative and she's sort of an online uh, witch. So uh, she's working on what is effectively, it, it's kind of like an oracle deck, but it's for time management, specifically to, um, for people, uh, creative people, people who struggle with managing their time or getting all their needs fulfilled, um, especially because she has ADHD, something which my partner has and most of my friends, because I think it's very common amongst creative people. And uh, yeah, to kind of manage your time, get your needs fulfilled. So it's a 58 card deck and there's a different illustration on each one. So for everyone um, comes with a college illustration and all the design work, which I'm also doing. So front and back cards, 
Um, I would love to also do the book for the deck as well, but that's up in the air at the moment. Depends on budget and production time mm. and stuff. So, but it's a very slow process because obviously, um, I do a few cards and then I invoice her and then it goes like that, you know. Uh, and she's yeah. doing it in between all of her regular normal work that she does. She does um, story writing, narrative workshops, and uh, yeah, and it's called the the Constellation System. And we're gonna release the deck whenever it's ready. Hmm. Uh, and it is it is a dream project. I would love. Um, it's challenging, which is like really interesting to me. And I did have a little bit of a break over the summer, but gonna get back to it now. Yeah. That's really cool. Like, I love that because it's yeah. like you can put your own personal spin on something that somebody yeah. else's ideas so as well. So exciting. Yeah. And I and I really like her. I like her ideas. I like the way she thinks about the world. We're both like um very left wing politically. So I try and bring a um as much energy as I can, not explicitly, but implicitly in the cards, you know? Yeah. And um yeah, so that's my favorite, most important project that I'm doing right now. But uh who knows when that will come out because it's yeah. a slow creative process for both of us. But that's also an interesting way to work as well, because maybe you don't always necessarily work that slow. Um, mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, particularly in this current kind of society, like you're expected to work quickly and produce things, yeah. you know, and yeah. then throw things out. So it's probably quite nice to actually have some time to sit down on a project that has no official deadline that you can actually sit down and really yeah. focus your energy on. It's super nice. And that's the way that if I'm really making work just for me, that I definitely do. I'm doing Call October at the moment, which has been really fun. And I do Febrilage every year, at least I try. Yes. So that because otherwise I do get a little bit lost in the source and like having a deadline does help me learn quicker and be more focused. But if I'm working on a big piece, then um, I'm just happy for it to take as long as it takes, you know. I work so pretty slowly, unfortunately. I've tried to speed up, but it the work is just less good so yeah i think that's the thing though i think the problem is that there's a temptation to speed up because you want to get as much out as possible so that more people can see it quote unquote, unquote. Yeah. however i think working slowly gives you a sense of knowing what you're actually doing and yeah. who you are as an artist and i think sometimes <laughs> yeah. that's a lot more valuable than just pumping out work yeah if i don't take the time to look at my own pieces and figure out what's good about them, what I like about them, what unexpectedly other people might like about them, how they work comp compositionally or with color or how they work narratively or how they're appealing to an audience or how they're emotionally appealing. And I don't look at other people's work and figure out all of the same things, then I'm like not learning at all and I'm just not getting better. And mm. that's, the own, that's the most important thing to me is that um, even though you might have more or less success that you believe in yourself that you're progressing and learning in some way, you know, because Absolutely. things are, yeah, things feel a little meaningless. Um, having worked in like a corporate kind of setting where you're just churning out things according to like a style Bible, um, according to someone else's instructions, it, it feels very, um, it's still a very privileged position to be in, but it does feel a little bit more like factory conveyor belt you know, push out the design work um, kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I just, I do think pretty quickly, but it takes me a while to make decisions. And sometimes that's a matter of confidence. And sometimes it's a matter of if I'm constantly trying to do something different or um, think, think, think about things differently, then it's more challenging and it takes longer to make 
decisions because you're not connecting to your instinct quite as quickly, you know? Yeah, not just that. Like, particularly if you're working analog, you have to think about what you're doing before you do it because as soon as you put it down, you're not going to be able to take it back up. Yeah. And the thing that the thing that's amazing about working digitally is that you have almost infinite resources. Like mm. it's extraordinary what's available online at the Library of Congress or at Raw Pixel for free outside of copyright. Um, what pe- the incredible things that people will put on Unsplash for you just to use for free. I always try and credit people as much as possible. Mm. Um, and um, also, if I make any money, like I try and get some money back to the photographers and models that is in the digital work I make. Yeah. Um, yeah. But with analog work, it's just what's in my local thrift store? What can I get online for a reasonable price? What can I source anywhere? Like I'll go to like indie theater festivals and ask if they've got posters and bring great big wow. sheaves of paper home and just do whatever I can. And I love using packaging and coffee packaging and unexpected things um, to mix up with everything as well. Uh, but yeah, you you are restricted. You're limited by what you have. Um, so then the challenge is like, well, how much can I fit in the studio? <laughs> how much yes. paper can I own? Yeah. And how to keep a record of it um, yeah. and keep it like collected in a way that I know what I have or what I have access to. Yeah, I think also, I think that's kind of an interesting idea of like, that's actually the the good thing about art is that you don't have to have the best of everything. You can use what's around you. Yeah. And I think somebody yeah. like yourself, like use a packaging, like you could use like a cereal box, for instance. You know, like yeah. literally anything you have in the cupboard, I could become Love part of your work. Yeah, and I think that's yeah, actually sure. really clever. Yeah, I mean, also, if you've ever walked into an art shop, uh, obviously they have to make their prices high so that their margins can pay the incredibly expensive rent they pay. But wow, it is so expensive. Oh, I yeah. could go into an art shop and just pay the equivalent of my rent and just not and just come out with like really basic stuff. And you can get stuff cheaper online. But then the problem with that is if you're buying from Amazon or whatever, it's like, oh, you know, I'd prefer not to. I prefer to buy from small businesses when I can. But if I can go to the thrift store or just nick something, sometimes you see in the Netherlands, people will throw out like art catalogs or magazines. And I'm like, yoink, it's mine now. And um, yeah, just um, love to collect things and uh, use whatever I can. Um, I do definitely treat myself to like some nice paper or some beautiful tissue paper or, you know, um, vintage book covers that I couldn't find um, here quite a lot. Mm. But um, yeah, my housemate and my partner know uh, they just collect interesting looking things and leave them on my table for me. And I'm like, oh, I've been using like my, yeah, my partner um, uh, uh, smokes. And so he has like a lot of long skin Rizzlers and the packaging for those is amazing. It's really cool. So I've been using quite a lot of that in little pieces here and there as well. So that's quite nice though, because it's like your work becomes quite unexpected. But the materials themselves yeah. are just as much as the work as the work itself. Yeah, and of course, no one would know this looking at, at my pieces, but it means that there's like quite a lot of my daily life just yeah. in the in the little yeah. artwork. So, in as much as when you buy art from any artist, there's a piece of themselves in there, definitely, and like more or less according to how they're working, but. I kind of like I'm I'm not a I'm not a journaler or a scrapbooker or anything, but sometimes I'll put scraps in pieces and send them out into the world and it's um it's like a part of what's been hanging out in my house, you know, and that's mm. really fun to think about. Yeah, that's really cool actually. That's a really nice idea. 
That's mm-hmm. so nice because you're right. It's it's almost like a document of your life without it being <laughs> deliberate. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah. So, what is the biggest challenge of being an artist? Oh, I think it's different for everybody. I think uh, normally, like as a rule, I would say the biggest challenge being an artist is just monetizing the thing you love and paying your rent without burning out Hmm. or and just being able to finance your your life while doing what you love to do but for me personally on a more like esoteric level I would say um I have an existential crisis about every two to three months where I look back at my entire portfolio and what I've been doing and I think oh my god what was I thinking Mm. everything I've made is absolute crap I hate everything I've done I like have a real moment I've got used to it now so I know not not to internalize it and let it floor me or at least I'm I'm trying to get better at that but um I just look back and I get major not even imposter syndrome but a complete lack of confidence and what it is is just me getting better like my eye gets better my taste gets better the way I look at things improves and I learn more and I look at my work and I can see all the flaws and things I would have done differently and then your skills kind of like um are always behind what you want to achieve you know for me at least um in the moment I make a piece and I'm almost always really happy with it unless I'm very short on time I made a piece in an absolute panic yesterday and I posted it and I was like wow this is really bad but uh quite a lot of people seem to like it which is a big surprise to me but I it's also very traceable to me why it was bad which is that I didn't have enough time and I made it in a panic without having the time to be thoughtful enough about it um but uh yeah, I just have a, I have a whole crisis where I'm like, not what am I doing? Because I love to do what I do, but is this going to work out? Is this sustainable? Um, you know, am I going to get better? <laughs> am I bad? <laughs> oh. And uh, yeah, it just happens like quarterly, maybe even more often than that. And I just have a couple of days where I just look at everything I've done. And then I come around and I'm like, no, it's fine just keep going <laughs> yeah and then my skills catch up and I and I have a moment where um I'm like oh I got better I can see oh shit I made a really good pieces this week and so it, it balances out yeah but because of the systems we live in that's not rewarding except only for you inside your yeah. own head and your own being uh, you don't get externally rewarded for that and unless you can monetize it or you're seeking promo or you manage to have a show or some kind of positive feedback. I will say as well that I don't think that imposter syndrome reduces with success. Hmm. At least that's not my experience. And I have talked to artists who have much more, I guess you would say, um, traditionally successful careers. And they still might look at a gallery show they're doing or did or a part of their portfolio and be like, what the hell am I doing? I How have I managed to convince anyone that I'm good at this, you know? And sometimes the more you get paid for something, uh, you're like, oh, but why? <laughs> um, so I think that it's really helpful to get external validation we all crave validation right we all want positive uh, feedback 
Um, and that's really important, especially if you're a creative, because you put yourself out there, you're making yourself vulnerable every time you make something. You're making yourself, if it's in any way personal, you're kind of being vulnerable. And that means if you don't get positive feedback, that's sort of devastating. I think uh, not always, but to a lot of people. But um, I but then if you're also successful, you get like, you can get major imposter syndrome feelings where people seem to be giving you extraordinary money for what seems like, for doing what you love, you know? And that mm. can also feel really weird. But it's, in my opinion, it's just, I think we live in a time and we have done for a really long time where, um, especially now with like the rise of AI, where people just don't see artists as important, not everybody, mm. but like the systems, you know, like arts education funding is always being slashed. Um, arts councils are getting less funding year on year. It's much harder to be an independent artist than it was when I started in like 2004, 2005. At least that's my opinion and my experience. And um, the system kind of tells you what you're doing isn't worth it. Like what you're making, what you're doing isn't pointless. What you're doing isn't hard work. You're not really contributing to society. Um, and that might not be most people's prevailing opinion, but it is obviously what you see online if you're on Twitter or anything like yeah. that, a Reddit, whatever. Um, and uh it's hard to to do what you love and be told that it's useless. Hmm. That's not something that happens every day all the time, but it's just a kind of a weird experience sometimes, for sure. I, I completely agree because the thing is that like you're doing, you're creating art. Any artist is creating work with the idea yeah. that it it's gonna something's gonna happen with that at some point. Hmm. It's not a case of like you're creating work because you fancy just doing <laughs> it. It's like well, hopefully. At some point, somebody will buy it, somebody will see it, somebody yeah. will like it, somebody, it will help you in some way for a, yeah. a further goal. And I think yeah. being told, oh, this is not worth it, this is useless. Particularly the pandemic where it was like artists are like the, like the, you know, there was a whole kind of thing where like, oh, we don't need artists because of the pandemic. But yeah. actually, art is so damn important. I think the problem yeah. is that people aren't educated enough to realise how important art actually is. I don't think people know what it's for or like hmm. why we do it. And particularly during the pandemic, I was like, are you not at home watching mm. TV? Are you not constantly watching movies? Are you not watching all this incredible art that's on your screens? Like filmmaking, especially with the SAG-AFTRA um, disagreements. Obviously, I support the creators, no questions asked mm. always. But those writers being told, well, you don't deserve this money and we're going to replace you with AI or whatever it is, or you just don't deserve this money or the actors just getting paid absolutely pennies because of, of streaming is not a sustainable way to run a business it's like heinous it's and it with the rise of ai art people are like well i can just put a sentence into a machine and it makes pictures so you guys are pointless and it's like wow <laughs> i think that there's a real misunderstanding about what art is why mm. people make it what it's for why people are driven to make it and why it's important because it, it is, in the end, one of the things that distinguishes us from the animal kingdom, right? Like, yeah. we as people, I think, we create for like a million different reasons. A lot of it is like to mark a place in time, to, it's like visual history, basically. And history is really important. Um, and the way people express themselves 
is part of their being and the fabric of society is made up of people who should be expressing themselves, you know, the way they want to. Um, And without it, it's just such a horrible gray world and there's nothing to do guys. Like there's, there's no movies. What? There's no television. Like there's no music, you know, I don't understand why people are okay living without it. Yeah, that's true though. Cause it's like when, the whole pandemic and the whole oh, art is down important. It's like, well, like, okay, let's take all the art away and see what you're doing yeah. at home. You won't be doing yeah. anything. No, no books, no movies. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend that, like, I think what I do is really important to society, but I do think artists as a whole are incredibly important, or all of us together, you know? Um, the idea that no one writes anything new or makes new pictures for me to look at is just really scary to me personally. It's quite sad, actually, I think. Yeah, very sad. What, so what are your opinions of AI art? And especially, like, how do you think it is going to impact, like, the future of, like, traditional art? I don't know how it's going to impact the future. Like, it's already been here for a really mm. long time and it's already been, in some ways, a really useful uh, a really useful thing for a lot of people, for example, like video game assets, you know, if you're ma- if you're an indie dev and you're making a video game and you uh, need a bunch of assets, but they all have to be slightly different from each other, AI has been, you know, like a, a million different trees. There's hmm. no way you want to pay an independent artist to do that, um, to do every single tree differently. I think that in in places like that, it can be really useful, but the problem is it's just capitalism is the problem because it's just going to be like used by the people with power and money to try and oppress everybody and threaten people who are doing the creative work and saying, well, you're so easily replaceable, make people feel disposable, um, make people feel that they can be replaced by machine learning. I wish that we could just look at it as a technology outside of the like financial social structures that we have and be like, wow, this is so useful because I, as an independent artist, I can see so many ways that I could use it in my own practice, just feed my own work into it and see what comes out and then mix and match that. But because uh, especially like Dali and mid journey and systems like that are created from artworks made by people who are not being credited compensated in any way their work is just fed into there fed in there um no copyright doesn't matter ip doesn't matter and then it just like gets churned out in a way that like is completely soulless it's a trend you know it's a it's it's another sort of a it's a trend that's going to come and go and people are going to be less interested in it and stop talking about it but the problem is its existence in industry um, gives management and the owning class a lot of power to um, oppress people who otherwise would be making the things that the AI is now making. And it's just going to make everything look worse because no one can make something better than a person. Hmm. So you're always comp- you're always compromising. Like the AI learns from us that like it's not going to make anything new. It's not innovative. I guess it's only as innovative as the people using it. It's only as innovative as the work that's being fed into it. Like, I don't want to discount the the rise of like fast fashion, for example, has been sort of like 
not counteracted, but what has happened alongside that is lots of people learning to knit and make their own clothes. And people will always do that because people want to be creative and they look at fast fashion and they'll be like, but I could learn to make something so much better and more suitable myself. And like, I know a lot of people who just knit or a lot of people who make rugs or um, people who make their own clothes. And I think that's incredible and really important. You can't stop people from making things. So people are always going to make things and some people are going to find a way to um, monetize that. Uh, so the idea that artists are going to disappear because of AI is completely ridiculous. But industry for sure is already harnessing the power these systems have to put people out of work 100%. It's terrible and I hate it. Um, I'm a little bit less upset about it right now than I was a few months ago. But I come, it comes around according to the conversation online. I'm extremely online. I'm online a lot and uh, sort of, uh, yeah, I just stopped using Twitter because of so many reasons, but also because of the AI art conversation. Because, um, And I've seen people make some really extraordinary things with it, but these are artists putting their own work into it and having it using it as a technology. Like I'm very pro technology. I love, um, I've always worked digitally until very recently. The reason I've been able to make a living doing design in any way is because I've just had my laptop with me wherever I've lived. I think, I think this is like the sixth country I've lived and I just bring it with me and I'm able to work anywhere. Um, and that's what I always wanted because traveling with a home art studio is impossible. Um, yeah. but, uh, so I'm really pro technology, but I'm uh, I'm I'm concerned about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, it doesn't look good though to me, but um, I mean, no, most mainstream AI art. But it's going to start looking better and better. So I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm sort of horribly fascinated, you know. Oh yeah, I think most people are. But I think also you're right. Like in terms of, you can tell for the most part. Yeah. that is particularly when it comes to like the art side of things because i think there is there is like a an ai art photography whole kind of subsection that is pretty scary for photographers actually to be honest yeah but, very scared to, that's really scary for photographers you're a photographer right yes yeah <laughs> really stuff. scary yeah definitely but then i guess i think it depends on the angle you're coming at from it and i think also it just depends on the use i think there's something i don't know there's something i find a little bit off-putting about people exhibiting work they've made with AI or people, yeah. you know, that, that that being their entire kind of career. I think for yeah. me, that kind of puts me off slightly. It's not something that I wouldn't look into in terms of like featuring or whatever, but it also kind of puts me off slightly. Maybe I should interview I somebody totally who does that agree. actually. Um, but it's just a case of like, there needs to be some kind of human creativity there because otherwise you are also just as soulless as the work you're creating if, if you're not yeah. putting any personal input into the work. Yeah. Okay. It, it's not the same. The idea that writing a sentence and feeding it into a machine and it churning out a bunch of um, visual artifacts, the idea that that is the same as an artist sitting down and making an artwork is such a weird, inter uh, well, it's just a very surface interpretation of what art is. Mm. It's not just, art is not just or photography or filmmaking or anything is not just an aesthetic to decorate a surface, you know, it's should be like way more meaningful than that. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, if you were going to have like sort of uh, art debates, that would probably be one of your spiciest ones, I think. Mm. If you had an AI artist with a photographer and a writer and an illust and a book cover illustrator and album art um people uh, you that would be people will get mad for sure if that's what you're looking for it would be an entertaining debate i mean to say <laughs> hmm well, maybe they idea, wouldn't man. get mad i'm mad but i also try and be nice about it like if someone's I'm like say, oh, i make i i i'm making yeah. like a lot of stuff in mid journey i'm like good for you i don't really want to know about it though or we can talk about it but um i hope you're having a great time yeah but uh you know it's not art i don't think hmm. fair enough but the thing is that like yeah. everyone's entitled to their opinion it's just about being respectful with that opinion. a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah i would never be rude to anyone about oh, yeah. it unless they were rude to me first <laughs> but i haven't that, come across that that is the uh retail way that's for sure you never be yeah. rude to somebody that's ever rude to you, and then there's just. I mean, as a, as a British as a British person who waited who who waited tables a lot and worked in a lot of bars, the best way to be rude is just be extremely polite to a level yes. that people know that you're being rude, but they can't say anything about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. They know <laughs> that you're kind of taking the piss, but yeah. Yeah. What could do about it? Hey? Uh, yeah. So let's talk a bit about your work. Sure. So, so for those who may not be familiar with work, can you please describe it? Oh my goodness. Um, so I guess that's such a complicated question for me. I guess what I do is I make collage illustrations, which is to say I have a concept or an idea and I use um, a collection of um new and modern and vintage and all different kinds of materials to sort of build a world in every piece. So each piece has a little story. I have made abstract pieces that I really love, but then they end up being part of a series that ends up being part of a story because I guess I'm obsessed with storytelling and world building and creating like tiny universes basically. Mm. Um, I think there's a sort of an extended universe to my work, um, at least like year on year, I look back at what I've done and I'm like, oh, this is all part of the same world. Um, but I don't specifically, I'm not a writer, so I don't specifically figure out, um, you know, who are the characters in this universe or what happens, but every piece is like a little snapshot, I guess, of a story and quite often that can be anything from how I'm feeling about something in the moment or something political. Although I do, obviously everything is political. There's politics and everything, especially art. But if I, I, I do kind of make those messages like normally quite implicit, um, but I use a lot of symbols. Um, I use a lot of colors or structures or kinds of, compositions that are meaningful to me although I would definitely have to explain them to somebody else just viewing the piece but um I also I'm a person that very much believes in like death of the author so whatever someone finds in my work is delightful to me even mm. if it's 
um, completely different to what I intended or what I put into I put into it. Like every reality is your own perception. So if you tell me my work is about this, then I'm for you. Then I'm I'm really willing to accept that. You know. Um, and more recently, I've been doing or I've been trying to make a collage every day. Uh, which wow. is challenging because it takes yeah. me a long time to make a piece. And I'm also um, uh, had a busy month in October as well. But um, they are only tiny. They're like four inches or 10 centimeters square. Um, mm. And you can and I can tell the ones I had to rush or not. But it's also as a very meticulous, thoughtful, hyper perfectionist um, creator, um, something that I'm always... Um, trying to reel in a little bit with myself is just release things that I'm not 100% happy with and um, move on to the next piece without becoming hypercritical or hyperfixated on the flaws in something that I've made. Um, And that has helped a lot. Working with analog materials has helped me loosen up a lot, although I'm not nearly as intuitive as some artists I really love who will just put two things on a page and then come back and look at it and call it done. That's not me at all. I will absolutely, like there is anywhere between like five and 300 layers on everything I make wow. because I cannot stop. But um, but at least uh, with, with digital, I will just work for so long on one piece. Um, I mean, also when you think about fine artists though, um, sometimes, um, you know, it might take six months to create a painting. Oh. So I'm not in any way saying that what I do is anything approaching like that length of time. But um, I think collage as a medium, because you already have resources literally pre-existing, unless you're making your own fodder, which is a whole different uh, kind of a mixed media style that I also really love, but which I do a little bit less of. Um because you already have pre-existing visual materials already made, it's necessarily like can be a lot faster. So mm. I try and um, make more work more quickly. So things like Febrilage or Call October is really useful to me. Um, and I do really recommend those things, but I would say take them at your own pace. And uh, if you don't want to work every day or you can't work every day, don't worry about it. Um, yeah, I, I'm an illustrator, basically. I studied illustration. I always wanted to make picture books. And I kind of um, sort of decided against that idea early on in my career. But I think there's still a designer in my heart that just wants to communicate. I want to solve problems. I want to answer questions. Um, I want to tell stories, you know. So that's basically what I do. I'm trying to... Uh, be more like self-expressive and more like fine arty in my work I'm putting heavy quotation marks around that because design and art has a massive overlap but um trying to be a little more intuitive and sometimes a little less literal and intentional because I think my work can be a little literal sometimes and I could uh maybe be a bit more mysterious but I also um I, I like to be understood too so it's a balance because that's the thing as well, like trying to make work that is too ambiguous, that kind of requires too much of the viewer's kind of contribution yeah. could also be a dangerous idea. Or it could also fall a bit flat if people aren't paying that much attention to what they're doing. Yeah, I think that there's a power in ambiguity because you leave things more 
open for the viewer to participate. So it, I, I do really value people who make very mysterious enigmatic work or very personal work that needs to be explained because, but then I think as the artist, it's smarter then to be okay with people quote unquote misinterpreting or interpreting things differently than you intended. Hmm. Um, and then the more direct you are, the more likely it is you're going to be understood your intentions are going to be understood. And that's the same with anything, with like conversation or any kind of communication. The more yeah. direct and intentional you are, the more likely you are to be understood. And the vaguer you are, the, the easier it is for you to leave the other person space to interpret what it is you've done or said or presented to them, which is interesting to me. Um, I've tended to be very literal my whole career especially um when you do book covers and stuff you have a story to illustrate you have to encapsulate that story in what is essentially a really small visual space yeah. um and so being a really direct communicator is very important but as an artist you can answer whole different questions about self-expression and um intuitive work and i'm trying to loosen up and um be a bit less of a designer, although I have a designer brain, so I'm always gonna be uh, that way. I think the fact that you are a designer and an illustrator, I think that is very evident in your work. And I think that's actually what makes your work stand out as opposed to like- Thank you. Because the thing about collage, I mean, it's interesting because I actually really love collage. I didn't used to back mm. in the day. I used to really hate it a long, long time ago. I, I, totally think I think because John Stesica was like the, like the bar and because of that everyone was like oh he's not a photographer he's an artist and it was a whole debate mm. as you can imagine um so for the longest time I've really didn't I didn't hate college but I didn't really understand it whereas in now I absolutely love college I feel like it's one of the most underappreciated mediums in the art spectrum I agree and I want yeah. to ask you about that in terms of like do you think that college is seen as a lesser form of art um yes briefly yes I think I think that people I think it's a little bit of an underdog, particularly because it has its roots, at least um, if we're talking about like modern day collage, it has its roots in like uh, Dadaism, you know, mm. and in the punk movement of, uh, uh, you know, anywhere between like the 1950s and the 1970s. And I don't think a lot of people understand um, the Dadaists or what they were trying to do. I mean, just in mainstream conversation, mm. I don't mean people yeah. who've gone to art school or people who are interested in art. Obviously, like it's an extremely important, um, extremely important like art movement, one of the most important, especially in the 20th century. But uh, in terms of its sort of mainstream appeal, it doesn't have the same um, cachet as like pop art or, um, you know, the Gilded Age or any of another myriad kind of art movements. And because it's undervalued, that means it's underappreciated. At the core of how we as humans like live our lives, right? We take memories, we take things from the past that we love, we take our experiences and we patchwork them all together into a kind of an identity and into a sort of a, a vision of future for the selves that gives us meaning. And um, I don't mean to be like super pretentious about it or anything, but I've been thinking a lot about what collage means to me, what appeals to me about it. And I just, I love um, other people's artwork. 
it's incredible to me that the world is filled and has been filled for thousands of years by incredible things made by other people. Um, I have an obsession. I, I have a massive digital visual library that I just collect obsessively um, on like my, on a, a four terabyte external hard drive that I've wow. just, um, I just spend a lot of time also researching and collecting materials. And it really scratches a sort of a organization library, librarian sort of part of my brain. And I think collage artists often are sort of um, collators of material, collectors, um, really interested in visual culture interested in combining different things together to make a new thing. And it's really interesting how you can take someone else's work and bring new meaning to it or just work or, or, or like visual material that might otherwise be uh, discarded, just thrown away or not noticed. And then you can put that in a frame and say, this is important and people will believe you because you put it in a gallery context or you've put it online in a context where you're telling people are important. And that's really interesting to me because what, what we look at only has the importance of what we give it and the value yes. that we give it. And um, I think it's really a shame that collage art is underappreciated, but I also, I also think that because of that, because it's a little bit of an underdog, people are less likely to tell you how to do it. Um, there isn't so much of, at, at least this is my experience, there's less of a feeling of like the movements of the mark of, of the market, of the, of the industry, of the market dictating what's the trend, what you should do, what works, what doesn't work. There are definitely trends that I see come and go. Um, and there are types of collage that I absolutely love that I don't do. And obviously it has like an infinite uh, number of variations just the way painting or drawing has but I also like to sort of be part of a movement that has less of a sort of control from above I guess it feels a little more grassroots to me like mm. and it's also the thing I most love about it is its accessibility because even someone who thinks they can't paint or they can't draw they're not creative even though I believe everybody is creative like all humanity is creative um, that uh, anybody can stick two pieces of paper together and call it art. And I love that. I, I think it should be available to everybody. Um, and some people find they're unexpectedly good at it. And I love that, you know? I think that's also the reason why a lot of people don't like collage because they're just like, they're just like, you know, our people yeah. are just sticking stuff together and selling it. Yeah. And it's not that at all. It's so just I think, snobbiness. Yeah, yeah. I think the thing for me, like why I think collage is fascinating, I think what I've learned over the years, especially talking to collage artists, is that it's it's really an interesting way to, as you said, like recontextualize the world, but also like your own personal viewpoint from other people's work. And also just the fact yeah. that, you know, there are so many possibilities, there's so many juxtapositions, there's so many, you know, kind of visual things you can say. And it's like down to you as a person creating the work, especially analog collage, to mm. interpret that in the way that you see fit. And it's kind of funny because like, there's a question I'm going to ask you later, but it's funny for me like that people actually finish a, a collage because it's like, it, it's never ending. You know, you can, there's so many layers and there's so many kind of ideas. And also it's interesting because it's a macro time because when you first start that collage, you're a very different person by the time you finish it. And like mm -hmm. that whole collage, every piece of work, and I guess with art in general, every piece of work is a document of you changing in time as a person. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also interesting because, you know, with collage, you can just add a little something, you know, add a little bit more to it every day, 
you know you can make yeah. a piece within six, 365 days at a, a, yeah. a piece every day might be a nice project you know no so, totally absolutely um I think that's really interesting and really true and I also the thing about another thing I love about collage is you can lit you you can literally combine things that you could never create yourself like yeah. Uh, there is no way for me to recreate a 1905 Japanese portrait of like a young Mako like a geisha with mm. the kind of film that they were using. Um, I don't have the finances to go to Japan. And even if I did, recreating that seems so orientalist and a weird thing to do. Yeah. But I have access to those incredible photographs. And I have access to like 14th century medieval manuscripts done by monks who spent all of their time getting extremely good at a craft that I not only don't really have access to in the same way, but could never dedicate that amount of time mm. to. And putting those two things together and then combining them um, makes a thing that you couldn't do any other way. Yeah. Like if you're yeah. a, I used to be a painter when I was a teenager. In fact, the first few pieces of work I sold were all paintings. Wow. And I, um, but I realized that um, at the time that painting is beautiful and I love to do it and I love a lot of painters and it's probably the most, apart from photography as well, it's the most like elevated, celebrated art form that there has ever been. You know, mm. like um, yeah. when people think of art, they think of paintings. Yeah. Um, but you can recreate a painting quite precisely like you can copy what the work of great masters you can copy someone's style in a painting and um i absolutely love the idea of counterfeit art i find it really fascinating like the history behind it and and the people that do like counterfeit art are extremely clever and very talented um i think it's amazing and really interesting but with collage, unless you have exactly the same resources, it's so hard to exactly recreate someone else's work. And that's also really interesting to me. I think it's, it's actually a really good point with the idea of like collage, because it revolves so much time and so many different resources and so many different kind of um, elements, it mm. would be extremely hard to replicate. And it's not even just that. It's a case of like, it's not that painting isn't, but it's so much more personal to the ashes creating it. Because it's mm. what you think is going to go together, what you feel. Because as you said, there are no rules. There's no one telling you no. what to do and yeah. what not to do. You know, I actually really love the fact that even though, as you said, there are trends in collage art and you kind of see when you look at a lot of collage art, but also like everything is so different. I'm constantly surprised by collage artists and kind of just like the interesting things they put together. And I'm like, this is yeah. such a good idea. It's just, it, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's really as well because... Um... Obviously, there's been collage art forever. People have been taking things and putting them together and making visual artifacts out of them forever. But there is there is a sort of a rapid growth in collage art that I think has been going on in the last 10 years with the rise of like uh, being able to see each other's work digitally because because it's a, a medium that's so underrepresented in the wider art market so in galleries and in magazines and anywhere that someone might come across visual art the place where I mostly see it is online so that's Instagram or Pinterest or Behance or ArtStation or wherever you're uh, wherever you're looking at art that can be anywhere um, and because we have access 
uh, to look at each other's work online all the time. We learn from each other really, really rapidly and we're inspired and influenced from each other really, really rapidly. And it means like it has a real fast moving, fast growing freshness to it where I'm seeing um, collage art now um, on say somewhere like Pinterest, which has its own problems with credit because no one on there mm. is credited. But if yeah. you are just, if you're, you can obviously do a reverse, I always just do a reverse image search and make a note of everything I find and then go follow uh, those artists on whatever platforms I can find them on. So for me, it's a great discovery tool. And if you looked at like collage on Pinterest, like even 10 years ago, the breadth and richness of what was available was like way less. And now mm. there's so much more available, so much more to look at. You can see what other people are doing, what incredible photographers are doing, making collages of their own art or making collages of other people's art or two photographers working together, that kind of thing. So fascinating. It's like, um, I, I love people collaborating on collage art is incredible because it's like a conversation between two people. Mm. One person yeah. puts something down, another person puts something down and they're like, it's like a call and response. And that's really fascinating to me. It's a, a, a real personal experience, you know, to do that with somebody. Um, and that's a little bit, can be a little bit more difficult to do with like painting and drawing, I think as well. It makes you really want to create like a really nice thick, like coffee table book full of collage artists. Oh yeah. I would love to do something like that because oh, I really yeah. want to create, because I really want to create a thick coffee book coffee table book of like for art for the flying fruit bar it's like an annual or something it's been mm. on mine for a long time and one for mm. photography it's been on mine for a long time i mean mm. it's one of my goals to do in the next three to five years or at least some point in my life but like for college artists that'd be beautiful it doesn't have to be like a thick table book, but just like even like i think about nowadays like doing a magazine or something nowadays i'm thinking about these things all the time um yeah. give myself more work but like i'm thinking of something like something <laughs> physical because i feel like we need something physical we just don't yeah. have enough physical things maybe college art would be perfect because it'll be like Oh, I don't know. I'm going to think about that. I'm going to write that down. Definitely. Collage I will art. say, if you're going to make a collage art book and sell it to collage artists, be prepared for them to rip it up and stick it back together and send it back to you. But that could also be such a fascinating yeah, thing to could, do. That could be like you a could whole have project like, in itself. You could have like tear away pages uh, to invite people to, uh, you know, uh, the artists of the book and other artists to... Uh, stick all of those different things together and send them back to you. And that'd be a really good way yes. of promoting it as well. That should be a really good project and exhibit that project. That'd be so good. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, that's such, I really wish I had. <laughs> I, the thing is, I really wish I did this full time and I had like the funds to do so yeah. many cool projects. There's yeah, so many cool artists that I see and I'm like, I would love to give you an exhibition. You deserve yeah. a show. So annoying because I don't, obviously I have a full time job. I can't be doing that. So, you know, it's an, it's really annoying sometimes because like, and I guess it's the same with artists anyway. Like you have all these ideas that you would love yeah. to do. You just don't yeah. have the finances for them. You don't have the resources no. for them. And like, yeah, you you also, if you're, if you're freelance or you're running a small business just for yourself, uh, you can never get to the end of work. Hmm. I don't get to the end of my working day and think, oh, no. I'm done. I look at all the things I want to do and still have to do and client work I need to do and personal work and ideas I have. And I, I'm literally never done. I'm never going to be done. Like yeah. I, there's no, no, no chance of me retiring uh, at any point and yeah. being like, Oh, I'm done now. Absolutely. Yeah. No way. Um, Yo, so, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I, I do miss, I do miss um, getting to the end of a working day and being like, great. My emails are off. I've turned my work phone off. No one's going to call me now. I'm done. This is my personal social lifetime. That mm. is not, that's not 
um, how I live. <laughs> I think that's such a good point in terms um, of like the lifestyle and slash kind of like routine as an artist in terms of like you're yeah. constantly working. There is yeah. never an off switch because <laughs> even when you might have like a, a day off or you might be like, you know, socializing, whatever, you're still, mm. that's whatever you're doing is going to filter into your work at some point. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like you're even unconsciously not you know might not be like physically working but your mind is still working for you yeah there's a big pressure as well um because you obviously everyone feels like this but you never quite have enough resources even Mm. if you're doing better than you used to that even if you're socializing and someone asks what you do and you tell them if they want to see your work then you are then you're working you're doing a little bit of self-promotion you're doing a little bit of networking and maybe you went to a rave and it's 3 a.m but you're like explaining what you do. And that is, that is work. I'm like, Oh, wait, let me switch into like my elevator pitch for like five minutes. Um, And I'm not good at that because I just want to get to know people and be friends with people. Um, And self-promotion is such a weird feeling to me. And I'm not, um, I hopefully I'm not annoying when I do do it, but um, I, uh, like a lot of artists, feel really weird about, like, talking about my own stuff in a way that when I've had, like, a a waiting job or, like, an office job or a finance job, I would happily talk to a stranger about how my day was, you know? Um, But that feels like a release because what you're doing is someone else's work, not talking about something that you love, that you're invested in, that you created, that you're trying to do. And that can be a really weird thing. I mean... just walking around, um, I'm a person that will just suddenly stop in the middle of the street and get my phone out and a friend will be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I had an idea. <laughs> I, I looked at something yeah. and I had an idea and I'm sorry, I have to write it down because it will be gone. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's cool though. But that's, so that's the perfect thing because it means that no matter what you're doing, again, it, it's a problem because there's no off switch, but no matter what you're doing, it's going to influence your work. I think yeah. that's the beauty of art is that you, like art is, as I keep saying, all the time I is a, an externalization of the internal mind you know mm-hmm. everything you are feels through your work in some way or another whether it's conscious or not and I think that's kind of the beauty of creating art and the beauty of being able to see art and the beauty, and the beauty of being able to talk to artists is that you get to know about them on so many different levels it's really interesting yeah. for me I think it's yeah. why I probably like art so much because people are interesting when you get to actually want to know them yeah everyone is interesting um everyone is weird nobody is normal Mm. the more you get to know people the 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 more you realize that the idea of like a normal person doesn't exist we're all really weird um and I think um artists have a drive to communicate that with the world you know That, that there's there's not many artists that are like what I want to do is just not stand out from the crowd and um, be accepted as part of a herd most artists want to create something unique or unusual or extraordinary and whether or not they're succeeding at that that's often the drive yeah. um, I think we're driven we're driven to sort of communicate the weirdness inside us in a way that other people might be taught to suppress um, Ooh, and that. it's not that artists are more interesting than people who have a more regular way of living their lives but only that we've been given the privilege and um, opportunity or the drive to express what's inside us you know 
Um, and that's more specific to artists than I would say with designers who are really skilled at communicating other people's ideas, you know, but also there's a piece of yourself in everything that you make, I mm. think. So there's no getting away from that, whatever you do. So are there any trends in collage art that you don't like? That I don't like? No, I don't think so. I, um, no, I really try, I really try for that not to be the case. I might look at some pieces and I think that's either a more successful, in my opinion, or not successful example of what this artist is trying to do. Hmm. But I like all kinds of collage art. I think that if you, it's like music, for example, right? There may be things that you are more or less connected to, that you're more or hmm. less drawn to, that you're more or less used to. But if any genre I learn about, I start to enjoy more, whether hmm. that's noise music or drone music or jazz or whatever that is. Um, if you start to learn about something and you're more exposed to it, you know, you might like it more or less than other trends. And there's nothing wrong with not liking something, like not liking things is really important. It's really important to know what you don't like. But the more I learn about something, the more likely I am to like it because I can mm. see the intention of the artist and what they're trying to do. And I think a lot of making, a lot of people are just making collage art for like uh, fun and creativity and release. And it doesn't have to be good. Like making bad art is really important. Everybody should be able to do it. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. There's lots of like bad art I really, really love and really enjoy and really like. Um, so I, I would say no, I have preferences for certain trends, but I've never, I don't think I've ever looked at a specific genre of collage art and said, I don't like anything made in this style, never. I might be like, oh, some people are doing this more successfully than others, in my opinion, just for me, in my opinion. But um, no, I love all kinds of collage art. I don't always love every piece, but um, mm. I love all kinds of it for sure. Um, but same with most genres of art, to be honest, I don't think that I, I don't think there's a style of painting that I'm like, I universally despise everything made in this mm. style. I think just I'm more drawn to some genres more than others and some artists more than others. But um, and it's not that I like everything I look at, but that I like all different kinds of collage art. I mean, who knows? I, I have seen some AI collage art I didn't like, but that's a, like the conversation mm. we just had, you know, it brings yeah, it a lot Yeah, because of the things. way it was created isn't exactly, yeah. Yeah. doesn't give the work itself a lot of meaning or a lot of no. life, I think I'd say probably, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. So talking about style, actually, like your work is... Is really interesting because it, it actually has changed a bit here and there because obviously the stuff you're doing for Ricardo is very different. Yeah. Project. It's very different from what's on your website, for instance, which is very different from like, you know, your client work. Like, do you yeah. think you have a visual style? I think I do because I, because it's difficult because I just started integrating collage work into my portfolio really only like three years ago. Hmm. I'm still learning to find a place where everything I make has a thread running through it. But I, I do have um, three digital pieces tagged on my Instagram 
that are my most popular and successful and the most emblematic of what um, I was doing a couple of years ago. And I think they're very successful. And I have those up there as a kind of like a showpiece. And the rest of my Instagram is like what I'm learning, what I'm doing today, what I'm working on, even though it's presented in, in, in quite um, a more formal, this is the piece I made today rather than like works in progress or like shots of my studio or anything. It's like, it's not super personal in, in that way, but um, it is like, you can see the learning curve more clearly on my Instagram than you can anywhere else for sure. Um, I'm just trying new things, working things out. There's a, a thread that runs through my work aesthetically, which is just like, there's a million things going on. And sometimes you don't know what to look at, which mm. is both a strength and a weakness of my style. Um, I've tried to make minimal pieces and I really admire um, artists who make incredible minimal work but it's not for me. I love a million things to be visible at, at once. Um, like my living room and my studio is the same. There's just a hundred things everywhere. I've got like 40 plants. We've, we've got so many books. It's just, uh, I like to look at things, visual clutter. <laughs> I, I like to look at things, yeah. Are there? Um, Executive. I was just gonna say, I guess the thread that runs through it is that, um, like I said earlier, I like to tell stories. So there's always like a, hopefully, a little narrative going on in each piece, you know, something's happening. Um, there's like characters, there's a little world. I think that that's what runs through all of it. Um, uh, yeah, otherwise just a real eclectic mixture of different things, like hundreds of years old vintage materials, antique materials packaging that was just created yesterday all of that mixed together um so when yeah. it comes to storytelling in your work like how important is that for the context of your work to be understood like do you feel the need to tell people the story or do you prefer them to guess no i um i'm super happy with people just looking at it and saying oh pretty and moving on that's also okay. rewarding to me i have no problem um i have no problem with someone being like oh nice colors um, and in fact, that is, I think, most of the way that we look at things, especially um, if you're on social media, because more and more, we're just scrolling by faster and faster, flicking through faster and faster. Um, it is really interesting to me how different people react when you have your work on the walls of a gallery. Um, mm. And people will come and ask you about your work and ask you the meaning and symbolism behind it and ask you what you meant. And it's nice to know that for me that that's there. If anyone asks, I can be very explicit about what I meant and what I meant to say and what was happening. But also, um, also, I don't mean to say that every piece I make has any great deep meaning necessarily, but only that they're just like little vignettes yeah. of um, a point in time or a collection of materials that are having a relationship with each other or whatever it is but I have zero problem with someone just whizzing by and being like oh nice hmm. also awesome I just uh just having anyone look at anything I make is um rewarding to me you know I for sure um it's really interesting when people want to talk to me about my work um, but I'm also not super good at doing that I'm trying to get better hmm. um I, I, like explaining myself um 
but also I'm, I'm really happy for people to read into read into the work whatever they're driven to you know um, I think that's how human minds work we're going to understand and perceive things through our own lens and I don't want to prevent anyone from doing that you know so do you ever worry about like repetition of ideas or like imagery as you create more work no maybe I should but no because yeah the thing is the thing is that, that I'm actually trying to be a bit more consistent stylistically so I think actually the opposite I look at my work and I and I think um wow this is hella eclectic actually I should try and narrow down a little bit and um become a little bit more stylistically consistent but the problem is I like all kinds of things and if I look at a table and it's covered with all different kinds of things I find all of those things interesting and I want to put them all in one piece. And that necessarily means that everything has like a really slightly chaotic sort of eclectic energy. Although things are really carefully composed on my end, um, I can understand if they look a bit haphazard from the viewer, but that's also fine. Um, so I think the opposite, I think I, I'm less worried about getting stuck in like a visual rut and more concerned with how do I find a niche that's rewarding to me? And also when people are only seeing my work once a week for 0.2 seconds, how they recognize that that's a piece from me that I made that and they emotionally connect with me and my style. Because if I want to make more work personally or do custom commissions for individual people or just make a more, more money on Patreon or whatever it is, um, I want people or I need people to personally connect with the work. And that means it probably needs to be a bit more consistent. Um, but as I said, like Instagram for me is just a place where I'm learning and I'm, I'm growing and I'm posting and it's different every day. So it's not the same as, um, you know, me on my portfolio website or what I would present if I was looking for gallery representation or agent representation. That's a whole different um, that's a whole different ball game, and I would be a lot more stylistically consistent with anything I presented in that kind of a way, you know. Or if I was pitching for a design job for a new client or whatever, I would definitely choose a series, a series of pieces that had more of a connection with each other, so it was more clear about my intentions and what I was trying to do, you know. Would you like to have an exhibition of your work? I would love to, of course. Um, I haven't had a solo show for a really long time. We did an exhibition called Symbiosis in Amsterdam in 2021. And that was really exciting with some other artists, um, all different kinds of artwork. Um, and it was really wonderful to be part of that. But of course, I'd love a solo show. Um, one thing about it, though, is my work is tends to be really small, at least mm. the analog work. I have big digital prints that are like 70 centimeters across. Um, yeah, and they worked pretty well in a gallery space, but also they look huge in my studio slash living room. Mm. But on a gallery wall, they look really small. So my little 10 centimeter pieces need to be in quite big, chunky frames or, you know, they're, they're, they're small. So it's hard to know or how much wall could I actually cover with these? 
but then you can um, have it depends on, as you're ready it depends on how you display them because like absolutely. i think that'd be really cool if you had like a shelf and you just had like them across yeah. the shelf or something or like no, those, totally. but i think because they're small that gives you so many more options to display them and that's actually really yeah. interesting and i think i think a beauty of small work is that people have to get really close to it to see it and something that i've noticed is that people when they have like necessarily a physical proximity to your work are literally having a more physical relationship mm. with it because they're closer to it and then you can sort of speak to them more directly i think i do envy big beautiful painted canvases mm. or huge large format um photographs that when you walk into a room you're like wow um this is extraordinary but as a person who sort of um became an artist because I'm interested in books where you're not really far away from the page. I think it makes sense that you have to get quite close to my pieces to have a relationship with them. So it's okay, but it's hard to know how big of a space do I actually have enough work to fill. I probably have more than I think. I have stacks of work. It's just hard to know how much of it there really is until you put it all together. I just think I was just thinking about how would I display your work? I'd probably like <laughs> suspend it from the ceiling so that it's just like hanging so it's just it's hanging there right yeah that would be really itself. cool yeah, or just a, really in, a, cool. Or in a way where like as you said people have to get closer because it's tiny but also like that yeah. there's a power in that as well though because mm, small definitely. work can also be incredibly beautiful and um, oh, there's, there's been a few times there's been a few times where i've been in a gallery actually i was in a gallery in manchester a couple of months ago when i was over there for a photography mm -hmm. trip um and i went to uh, um contemporary six i believe it's called and they had a painter whose work I absolutely adore, um, Jen Orpin, I believe her name is. Um, mm -hmm. And her work is gorgeous online. I see it, I see it all the time. It's the kind of work I love. It's like high, like paintings of highways, like really detailed. It's like wow. tiny. I had no idea it was that small. And I saw it and I was like, this Amazing. kind of makes me, I was like, this makes me love it more because yeah. it's tiny. I'm like, the amount of detail in such a small space. No. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. And I saw it and I was like, this wow. is so interesting. Also because you can't tell. My name is Kenya. Jen Orpin, you said? Yes, Jen Orpin. Okay, yes. I remember that. I'll send you the link because yeah, I was, please, I've got a list of actors I'm going to send you anyway whilst we're talking. I've been oh, talking. yes, please. So, yes, oh, I'd I love, love as you can imagine, I love sending people different artists. Like, the whole point of what yeah, I do amazing. is just to share art. So, absolutely, don't totally do that. I've already got a list here that I've been writing for the people that I've oh, interviewed, fair. such you know. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Please. Um, but, yeah, so it's interesting how, like, you see a piece of work and because it's so small, you're like, oh, actually, this is gorgeous. And then you have to go really close to it to see all the details yeah. and like so yeah, it's in a small work ways, powerful. In some ways you can have a more we as humans have more personal relationship with things we're physically closer to. Mm. And I do think sometimes if you're physically closer to something, you can have a little bit more of a personal uh, connection with it. Um and I that could be true of my work. I don't know. I haven't um displayed a lot of super small pieces. So uh, I normally, with my digital work, I was trying to print them as large as I could to make as big an impact as I could. Um, and some of those are still only 12 centimeters wide. But um, as an analog artist, I'm restricted, if I'm using original materials, I'm restricted by the size of those materials. Like mm. a book page is only so big. And things start looking different. If you're using small fag fragments in a big piece, they have a different impact than if they're in a small piece because they literally yeah. take up less space of the surface. Um, so I have made a bigger piece that I haven't uh, shown anyone yet. Wow. I'm not sure about it. 
We'll see. Fair enough. I'm thinking about it. I made it in August and I it's in my bedroom and I look at it sometimes and I'm like, is this good? I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm thinking about it. But I, I am thinking about making bigger pieces as well. I was saying that's a valuable lesson, though, the idea of making something and not showing people and sitting mm. with it. I think the problem is like a lot of the time nowadays, especially people just want everyone to see it. And it's like, yeah, there are pieces of work that you're not just going to be sure about, or you just might want to yeah. keep for yourself. And there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. No, totally. Totally. And also you are necessarily going to have a different relationship with a piece that you never intend to show anybody or that you intend to just hang in your house. Um, and maybe the people that know you that come over to your house will see it. There's definitely, and I think this must be the case with with almost all artists, I would say, if you know, if you intend for other people to see your work, you necessarily have the audience in mind. Mm. Even if you try and deny that or you try and not be affected by that, I think your subconscious knows that you're creating for an audience. You know, you're performing in a way. And that's completely different from people who are scrapbooking or journaling just for themselves. Um, and it that can feel really, there's a real power in seeing something that someone created only for themselves that they didn't have the, um, they didn't anticipate that anyone else was going to see it. And that can be such an intimate experience. If you look at, um, you know, uh, Da Vinci or Michelangelo's sketchbooks, it's by far and away the most interesting thing to look at when I go see an exhibition of their work. Um, I love to see because they had no idea that anyone was else was ever going to see mm. those pages. Um, and that's such an interesting insight into the way that artist's brain works is what are they doing when they don't know that anyone is going to see it and that's um, really interesting to me yeah um, i'm aware that i create work for an audience especially primarily as a designer but i would love to also try and bring a kind of an intimate quality to my pieces and have enough of myself in there have enough confidence to think about myself more and the audience less so that the audience can uh, connect a little bit more directly with emotionally with um, my work for sure. Sorry, I'm just thought about the idea because you're talking about, you said book pages are only so big. Sorry, I, I'm listening to what I was saying. I was just, I was just typing because I was like, oh, it just made me think. Yeah, of course. Because you said yeah, no book worries. pages are so big. It'd be really interesting if we had, if you got like say, I don't know, like say 30 collage artists, maybe that might be an easier number. And you had them all do a collage on a book page and then you yeah. binded them all together into a book. Yeah. That would be That's cool. an amazing idea. Or if you had like an empty book that you, that I don't know how it worked like financially, but you had an empty book or some kind of book and you shipped it to different artists. So, oh, uh, there's so, so those. Like, Let me show. Can I show yeah, you something? Yeah, One absolutely. Sorry, my studio drawers are a bit chaotic. But this is like this is that this is happening a lot in the collage community. This is an add and pass book. Anything goes. Add some paint, a scribble, a poem, a collage. Add a little or a lot, one page or many, good or bad. Mark your territory by leaving your name and address on the front and back cover. Pass off to the next contributor in person through the mail. Mm. So this is from Lindsay Stewart, who's an artist in Canada. I don't know her work, but I got this through like a collage meetup. Oh, wow. And um, it has like pages, beautiful pictures, and um, it's like a handmade book. There's collage art in here. 
and that's being passed around the world right now. So it's my turn to do a page or a couple of pages. And then I'm going to send it on to someone else. I think maybe someone in Germany. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so there's a bunch of these going around. Yeah, that'd be that's such a good idea. It's such a yeah. good idea because it's, it's yeah. beautiful just to see like this really interesting, particularly international yeah. collaboration between Absolutely. people around the world. Yeah, this has Canadian artists in it, French artists. Um, yeah. Dutch so really interesting and there's a bunch of I know that there's a bunch of these going around um, yeah. there's also a, a way that people relate to a book and I'm definitely going to do one of these because I have some friends on Instagram that are making these amazing visual board books like one of my favorites is Scissors Paper Paste uh, Miranda Millwood she yes. makes I wrote her name down to give to you yeah um, yes uh, she's amazing and she's a friend of mine online and she makes these amazing board books uh, from scraps and all different things. And there's a relationship, even though I haven't held one of her books in my hands, I've just seen them online. There's a relationship that you have with a book that's so different to work on a wall. And it is, as I said, like a more intimate, um, a more intimate relationship because the viewer has to be active in turning the pages. So you have a physical relationship with the work. Um, that's not the same as when you look at something on the wall of a gallery, you can be more or less passive according to how you're interacting with it. You know, like you can just look at it and not think about it and move on. If you have a book in your hands, I think you are drawn to looking at it a bit more carefully, you know, and that's something I'm really interested in is making physical objects. You obviously, if you're going to exhibit physical objects, you necessarily have to be fine with them getting wear and tear from viewers. Of course. Uh, 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 but I also think a lot of collage artists are already so interested in aged or distressed paper that sort of like something yeah. having its own life and, and having like fingerprints and page creases only makes something more beautiful, you know? Yeah, um, it would add to the value of the work or to the kind of... Absolutely, um, yeah. Because the nature then of the there's work. So, yeah, like a fingerprint from somebody is like, a mark that they were there, you know, like it yeah. becomes like a collaborative part of the physical object, which is really interesting yes. to me. Yes. Miranda's work is gorgeous. I yeah, she's amazing. I really wanted to yeah. interview her. I still really want to. I'm trying to get her on board. She's um, busy. That's the thing, though. This is the thing about <laughs> trying to interview people. There's another yeah. artist called Collage Garden, whose work I absolutely adore. Mm. I wanted to interview her as well. And we planned it. And I've got her internet's written up. I wish I haven't had the time to, no, to uh, sort out a date or just, I don't know if she's still interested anymore, to be fair. I'll have to message her later, actually. Oh, um, hit her up again. I was so happy oh, when you came back to me and asked me again. Oh, absolutely. So the thing is that, yeah, the thing is that I, I just love talking to people. I love talking to artists. Yeah. And they're just too mm -hmm. many artists to talk to. That is the problem. Yeah. Like, and never-ending. Always more every day. I would love to do this full-time because I could easily just have a conversation every single day with an artist. It would yeah. be so fun. Like, yeah. I would love to do this full-time, which would be so fun. Just to travel no. around the world, meet artists in real life. And them. Yeah. Well, I do not want to do that. Well, how would but you do that? I don't how know. Do this we, how do we make that happen? Oh, I really want that, that happens so badly. But yeah. I think that's the goal, at least for now. Um, but we'll see what happens because life is yeah. back. We don't know what's going to happen. I'm enjoying what I do now because I'm grateful that mm. I can do what I do now. You know? Yeah. So, as what much do you as do in your day job? It's just a retail job. I just work at B&Q. Okay. So it's just it's just a day job, which is yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah, lucky that I work. Yeah. The, I'm lucky because I work the morning shift, so I always have the evenings to do stuff. So I always do interviews oh, after work nice. because I can I found that, well, when I was working in retail or service industry jobs, that because 
personally and this was just my experience it it could be like very stressful in the mm. moment but you are done when you get home yes that's um, the thing, yeah. i would be like i am so done like even if there's like uh work politics or whatever oh, at yeah. work when when you come home unless you're super close with your colleagues which is its own like question right yeah. Um, yeah. and happens in every bar job because your whole social life becomes the people that you work with um there is a kind of a beauty in just being like oh i'm done and I don't know how that feels anymore. I mean, I remember how yeah. it feels, but... <laughs> that's, see, that's also the thing, because it must be hard, because you do want to just have those days where you're like, actually, you know what, I'm just going to go and hang out with friends, or I'm just going to go yeah. sit and read a book, or I'm just going to yeah. jump on a train to a beach or something like that. But you just yeah. want to just switch off. Yeah, I do. I do do that. I, I use um, I use video games for that because they're really immersive Perfect. and it's very hard to distract me from them. And <laughs> that means that... Um, my subconscious is doing whatever it's doing, but my conscious mind is not just passively consuming, but actively interacting. And I find that really restful um, in ways that like socializing or talking to people is because you're having like a multi-sensory experience with the, uh, you're still consuming a product, but um, you're having an experience with it rather than like passively engaging with something, hmm. you know? Um, not to say that um, people aren't actively engaging when they read a book, of course they are, or like watching a movie or whatever, but there's more active or passive ways to engage with media. And yeah. um, I do also have noise in my ears all the time, whether that's music or podcasts or YouTube videos or uh, people talking about things. I just want to listen to people talk about things all day. And that is what I do. So yeah. um, I'm definitely not a person that's like, oh, I'm just going to sit in a in a quiet room and focus i can't do that my mind just goes completely i have to have something in my ears while that's happening for sure so do you yeah. think that the environment you live in filters through your work like how does living in amsterdam affect the work you create or does it i my lifestyle in amsterdam definitely influences the work i create in that i make enough money to cover my basic needs hmm. without having to do the London grind, which is what I was doing immediately before yeah. this time. Oh. Um, it's also all consuming because it takes so long to get anywhere. So if you have friends in London or you have jobs in London, the amount that I would just spend on the tube, it feels like half your life. Um, and you can be more, or, you can have more or less interesting things to do when you're commuting, but it is still just kind of time that you don't get back that is just spent going from place to place. Amsterdam is really small. It's really easy to get places. The public transport here is amazing, but of course everyone also bikes. So it, it's really funny because if you invite an Amsterdamer to something more than 20 minutes away, they're like, no way. That's so far, so long. I couldn't possibly. I used to travel all the way from Essex to Ealing just to get a coffee with my friend. And it would take me like two hours, That's 10 insane. minutes just to get a coffee. But um, I also understand. Yeah, I also definitely, obviously. I definitely, as somebody who doesn't live in London, but has been to London many yeah. times, I very yeah. much understand that. I mean, many cities are the same. Um, but uh, so what I would say is that I have a lot more time I have the absolute luxury and privilege of being able to make art and spend my time making art and not um, like being in, in, in the grind as much as I, uh, I have been. And I also, I'm not like, um, uh, 
working a steady job that is like overtime or like late at night or mm. anything that I have also done before, um, hotel work or bar work or whatever that might be. Mm. Um, I'm completely on my own schedule and that changes the way I work in that that means my work is better <laughs> because I'm not yeah. creating in a panic or I don't, I'm not a person that does very well under pressure. Um, I have got better, but I think most people don't work well under huge degrees of stress. So for me, the less stressed I have, the better my work is, I feel. Although, of course, if um, if you're, uh, it helps to have a little bit of pressure or a, a really intense desire to finish something or do something or be self-motivated. But I like that. I prefer that to come internally, you know, from inside myself. Yeah. I decide when the deadline is or yeah. I, I have some very understanding clients that are just like, when do you think this could be done by? And I get to say, and that's amazing. <laughs> that's mm. amazing. Because I've had editorial jobs before. I, I, I did quite a lot of work, editorial work for the BBC Radio Times magazine. Wow. And they would call me on a Friday evening and say, can you have this done on Sunday for us to publish on Tuesday, but it has to go to the creative team on Monday. And I'm like, oh, what about my weekend though? Hmm. Okay, I guess yeah. no weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing as well. You know, any work takes time to create. You yeah. Know? And you want to create to the best of your ability of what you're creating. You don't, you're not here just yeah. to, to pump out work like a factory. I don't earlier. send, I, it, it, I don't send out bad work. I hmm. will always, I, I will call a client and apologize profusely and work on it until it's good. I just don't, I mean, by my own standards. Yeah, of course. Obviously, I might have had some clients who were like, well, this isn't good work, but hopefully yeah. not recently. So I want to talk a bit about your creative process, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. So like, what is your creative process like? And do you have any particular routines that help you focus on your work? Uh, it depends if I'm working digitally or with analog materials. Um, I also do quite a lot of work on my analog work, not on the small pieces, but on the larger pieces in like post-production. So if I'm making, if I decide to make something into a t-shirt design, or if I upload it to an online shop or make digital materials from it, then that's a different process than if I'm just making the art from scratch. Hmm. Um, so it's, it depends. So for Collectober, I knew I was going to be short on time that I was been creating every day. Um, I went, back to the UK two weeks ago uh, wow. for my mom's birthday. So I knew that I was gonna be away five days in the middle of it. And a friend of mine got married and all sorts of things have happened. So I knew I was always gonna be behind. So what I did was I looked through all of the material I have um, in my drawers and on my shelves. And for each prompt, I collected together five or six pages of stuff that I thought would be relevant, either oh, aesthetically wow. interesting or thematically relevant. And I laid them all out on my work desk and like just like put them together with like a little bit of masking tape at the edge and labeled it. And then I labeled it all the way from day one to day 31 from right to left. So that every time I made a collage, I could collect whatever I'd left for myself previously and use that and a pile of just random materials um, I've got an incredible Michel Basquiat book, um, which is amazing. A bunch of like Gilded Age uh, Renaissance books and piles of uh, different kinds of tissue paper and all different kinds of materials um, that I just use all the time 
in a kind of constant stash next to me. And then I have the collection that matches the theme or prompt that I'm doing. And then I just work on that um, as I go along. In the last month, I, at the beginning, I was making like two or three collages. Like I was working overnight when it's like really wow. quiet and I just have the place to myself and um, doing, uh, I had a bit less client work. So I just took the time. I was able to take the time to just make those like overnight, start at like 8 p.m. and then just work all night on like three two or three pieces more recently it's been a lot more chaotic because I've had a lot more life stuff to do and I've had client work which has been amazing but also um cuts into my personal collage yeah of course um yeah so so more recently I've been a bit more chaotic just making a a a piece just in the afternoon uh, and desperately trying to take a photo of it before the light gets too low Mm. Like, uh, I didn't realize until Monday that the clocks had gone back. I got to half past four and I was like, it's so dark. How am I going to take a shot of this now? It just happened and I hadn't even realized it. It's what happens when you don't have a schedule or a job or or anything or anything of rage. My laptop and my phone just did it at like 3 a.m. Sunday morning and I was sleeping, so I didn't notice. Um, Yeah. And then I was like, oh, why is it so dark? Yeah. Bonkers. You would have thought after years I'd be used to it, but I'm yeah. still, yeah. No. I would have the end of this. I surprise yeah. every time. Because now you've yeah. just said that, I've just thought I need to remember next time I do an interview that the clocks were changed. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because I because we arranged this as well. I mean, I'm glad that they went back in the UK at the same time because yes. I had to double check because we arranged this at one and I was like, oh, that's two my time. And then when I figured out our clocks had gone back, I was like, oh, is that still one then? So then yeah. I had to go back in. Yeah. Yeah. Because, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes my, so when I know I'm very short on time and I have time to prep, I will like do quite a lot of prep and do organizing and, and set myself up the easiest way to create every day. But my normal process is just, um, I have a list of ideas and some of them are ideas for series and some of them are ideas for individual pieces. And then quite often I will go to the thrift store and just pick up a book and be like, wow, I just love everything in here and like tear everything up and kind of categorize it and then um, make pieces just using mostly that or it's it's a bit chaotic. It really depends day to day. Um, I'm trying to be a bit more intuitive and a bit less overthinky about things because I a little over analytical maybe, but um, you know, you've got to play to your strengths as well, I think. So how important is if you to document the creative process of your work and do you ever show like the failed images uh it's not important to me at all to mm. document the creative process i do have um a mobile stand and i had planned to um, make my instagram account and i probably still will because i'll have to do this for my patreon anyway um a bit more um personal like show Mm. what happens behind the scenes yeah but i'll be honest that is for other people who might be interested it's not really for me i have quite a distinct memory of making every piece i make um so i could probably describe to you how i made any one piece even though i make a lot of work because what happens is i have a very personal relationship with that piece of work while i'm making it So I kind of know what was going on in my life or my mind at the time or Mm. what I was thinking about while I was making it. And that to me is like more important 
than like the technical than documenting like the technical processes because I don't really do anything like super exciting I'm still just um scissors and a and a you know a scalpel and a glue so I don't do anything very super interesting technically at the moment or I haven't done for a little while so it's not super important for me um because I have the memory when I look at each piece I have the memory of how it was created in my own head um but I will start doing that for other people because I know other people are interested. And mm. also it's just really nice to watch a time-lapse. It's very comforting to watch a time-lapse of someone making a zine or making a piece. It's just really good, comforting, interesting content. So um, I'd be happy to make, I'd be happy to make that, but we'll see. I still, I don't want to do anything that I feel super uncomfortable with yeah, um, or that is like really awkward or, um, you know, I think times when I've been burned out on creating is when I've had to go against what I want to do for too mm. long um, and you lose focus of why you're doing things yeah. or you just make stuff to put on Instagram rather than making things for yourself. So even when I'm making every day for like an Instagram challenge, a prompt challenge or whatever, I try and still stay true to like what I want to get from that and prioritize that because otherwise you get burned out really quickly. It's hard to make 30 different pieces of work in right. a month or like yeah it's I'm gonna have a little rest when I'm done I have some really good client work to do so I use my I use my professional work to take a rest from my um, personal stuff <laughs> that's so dangerous because you're just constantly working I mean yeah. I understand what you mean but like that is yeah. yeah I will say yeah I mean I do um I do as I said like Amsterdam is really nice for seeing friends everyone is very close together I I have a a, a couple lovely friends that always are sending me invites to the really interesting things to do so I'm more often extremely lucky to be able to just turn stuff down so I'll just start accepting more invites yeah. to do stuff outside the house although the weather is bad here so oh yeah but I say it is also winter so instead. yeah I'll just yeah. stay at home like stay at home with the limited cups of yeah. tea I'm much I had, yeah I had a mad summer to be honest so I'm happy to stay in and uh, just make some things i think also the problem is talking about like time lapses the problem with artists especially is that it becomes less about creating and more content creation yeah and that's the issue yeah 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 i don't want to think of well i don't mind thinking of some of what i make as content if mm. it's apart from the art like yeah. I, obviously if you're running a business you have stuff that's to do with the business that's not stuff to do with the art and I think mm. it's important to think of the content creation as part of the business thing and not part of the art thing because yes. to me the creation of the content is business like it's art mm. as well but letting the creation of your content dictate your art is like a fast way to burn out I think mm. um, yeah. some people are more successful at it than others but if you if you can't be yourself online what are you even doing like it it's really tough mm. it, it 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 can be more successful for like youtubers and stuff and podcasters yeah. but if you're making visual art people want to know you you know they absolutely probably they might want to know a version of you and you might not want to tell them everything but they yeah. you know if people connect with you they do they do mean it you know Normally. Unless, I mean, it depends. Unless the whole mystery of who you are is part of the work itself, because there's a lot oh, of artists yeah. who you know have aliases, or that's part of their whole kind of um, absolutely. Persona. 
I've noticed that that happens much more commonly with men than it does with women, or at least I should say like masculine presenting people than Mm. it does with femme presenting people. And I think there's a whole conversation to be had about how um, femme people are socialized to connect more directly and personally with our Mm. audiences, whereas like um, mask presenting people are more there's a kind of a glamour about being mysterious or enigmatic or being mm. like the genius in the attic or you know what i mean like the, that's an interesting conversation the, that. yeah oh i could talk for days just about that alone yeah. to be honest so i i am quite I, I love it and i'm quite surprised when i find out the alias of an artist is a female uh, an artist or a trans artist or an or a femme presenting non-binary artist or, or whatever just you're not traditional kind of um mm. Uh, masculine presenting person because that's so interesting to me that you would take the route that we're kind of told not to take to Mm. to like create the art let the art speak for itself because there's a lot of pressure as female artists to communicate your face your personality and I'm not really into it although Mm. I think it might be necessary for me to grow my presence um, and it's just something I'm going to have to get used to. It's not that like I ever would say anything inauthentic or pretend to be somebody else, just that yeah. I'm not really interested in my face being on the internet like that. But also, uh, yeah. it's okay if it needs to be. So yeah. many artists, so many artists, so many artists are exactly the same way. The amount, yeah. the, the amount of times I've asked somebody for an interview and they're like, do I have to be on video? And I'm like, mm. I prefer it, but you don't have to. And if, if you're no, not comfortable with it, that's fine by me. But yeah. I prefer it. And they're just like, oh, no, it's fine. I don't want to do it. And I'm like, that's fine. You yeah. know, that's not a problem for me. It's, it's one of them where, like, be as comfortable as you want to be. But also the problem is because you're selling a product and you're selling, you know, your work and your personality within the work, people do want to understand who the person is behind that work. Because, yeah, they do. You know, that's just the way people are. And I can yeah. understand that. Yeah. And you can you can sort of try and reject it. And I have, like, try and... I have tried to do that for so long, but then I realized that the people whose Patreons that I'm a member of, the people whose work I look at the most and refeature the most or repost the most are people whose faces I've seen and who I have some kind of personal relationship mm. with, even if it's yeah. only online. And I'm like, well, if I, if I benefit from that from other people, then in order to like grow your platform, you sort of have to be known, not necessarily you have to be, but it can help. It you have to be help. present. Yeah. 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 People love people I, love to put like, you know, a face to the name. Yeah. And I also I think the way to not get super frustrated and really burned out on something like Instagram or Twitter or social media or wherever you share your art is to develop really good personal relationships on there. The algorithm isn't designed to make you do that. The algorithm doesn't want you to do that. The algorithm just wants you to constantly consume new content all the time from new people. Um, It's not designed for you to have deep personal like DMs with people really. Um, Mm. And I sort of like to like uh, use Instagram in a way that it's not intended in a way to just have really, really interesting chats or personal chats with other artists I admire who become friends then uh, online, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so then if I'm, if I'm already doing that, it's not such a big step to, you know, to take videos of myself and my process and put them on Patreon. So I think that's what I'll do. 
Would you ever consider creating like videos or reels showcasing like the selection and the process of finding source materials? I think that's something a lot of college artists struggle with. Yeah, I would love to. The thing about finding source materials is I would have to be super careful um, not showing anyone else in the video. Like if I go to a thrift store, they're normally full of people who don't consent to being on camera. So I want to be really careful about like, but you could to- totally do a close-up scroll through a bookshelf or something. Mm. Um, I would just love to get better at cinematography, basically video taking, and it's just something that you do as you learn. So we'll do that, yeah. Well, um, even if you have gone to a thrift store and you've got books, like sit down with those books and talk about why you've chosen these books or what images you're interested yeah, in, or what would you that would be, do? From that it? would be, yeah, that would be something I would definitely consider. There's another amazing artist online, Kim Hamburg, glue, paper, scissors. I think it's glue, paper, scissors. Um, and she um, has uh, just been doing collage art since the pandemic, I believe, and um, did it first as a form of like personal expression. And then has um, started documenting her process and she makes a lot of incredible mixed media work. And she posts every day, here's my uh, Dollar Tree store finds, or here's my um, mm. tips and tricks to make baking utensils into paintbrushes, or and all of that is amazing wow. and really, really interesting. And she's been doing a lot of that for free. And I'm going to join her Patreon as well and see what's happening over there because um, she makes incredibly unique, really interesting work in a in a style I haven't seen anyone else be so successful at or quite do the way that she does. So um, mm. I would love to. Um, be a bit more personal and direct like that I think I really admire that a lot because as like an outsider to like collage art and I guess art Mm -hmm. in general in many ways like Mm -hmm. I'm always really interested in at the minute at least like pre-production of stuff I'm really interested Mm -hmm. in like at what point does an idea become an image rather than the image itself because the image is cool but like like, what is that weird process that nobody really sees and it's kind of hard to document before the image is created in terms of like okay you're an artist you're walking down the street you have an idea so what do you do with that how does that materialize? I think for me right now in my life, I'm kind of interested in that stage. So the mm. idea of like sitting down with like say books and talking about why you chose them or, but just talking about a piece of work and dissecting like each individual layer or like the elements of the work. So that to me would be cool to, to listen to. It's something that I'd be interested in personally. Yeah, that's really interesting. That's, that's really cool you've said that. I will definitely think about it. Um, yeah, I've watched some sketchbook creators and painters mm. um, and scrapbookers on YouTube just make a video of themselves creating a page. And I find it really endearing and beautiful to just have a cup of coffee and watch one of those. I think they're they're great. Um, And it does give you so much more of an insight into how that artist thinks and how they, how their brain is connecting to the thing that they create. And that's true that we miss, we do miss a lot of that. Yeah. And it's the way to personally connect with your audience if you're an artist and it's a way for your audience um yeah to understand you better so you work in a studio which is a home studio a home studio yeah so it's my living room perfect but but the dining table is my work table my housemate and my partner are very forgiving of me because my crap is just everywhere I I did a big reorganize over the summer and it is a lot better I don't have all of my stuff stacked up now in crates in the bedroom um, I figured out a way to store everything better. Um, yeah. And I have a much better Zoom background because before you could just see our whole living room and my work table, which just looks like a pile of paper trash, obviously, um, and all our kitchen. So now I, I I feel a lot better being on camera now because I have a little bit of a better background. You have a lot but, of beautiful um, books behind you. 
Thank you so much. That's why I've been yes. looking at the, like the pixoplasma. Pixoplasma. Oh, yes. I've been looking at that since the start. That's the only that's chart I can read. Amazing. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I recommend it. Yeah, it's um, character. It's basically like modern character design by um, oh, illustrators and artists. And that's cool. Yes, they're amazing. Yeah. So the idea of the studio, the question of the studio, about the studio. So a lot of artists yeah. I've spoken to over the years, the years, um, have yeah. spoken to about the idea of being lonely because they're working in a studio. I want mm. to ask you, like, do you ever get lonely whilst working in a studio? And if so, how do you combat that loneliness? I don't get lonely because. Um, I, for many reasons, I used to feel very isolated when I would create something, especially when I lived in London, I was just working from my little room and I didn't, I could, my housemates were super lovely and I could go talk to them anytime, but they weren't in the room while I was creating. I mean, I, and I would try and like create on the laptop while we were all like having dinner or watching TV, but it's like way too chaotic to focus on anything. Um, I'm definitely a person that prefers, um, you know, I find it hard to like work in a coffee shop or whatever. I can do research or write emails and do admin and stuff in a coffee shop or a public place, but actually making work, um, I do it. I, I do use a lot of my brain to do that. So like I always like uh, music or something in my ears, I sort of do like to be able to focus and I have problems focusing if there's a lot going on around me. But um, I have a partner who's a programmer and he works from home as well. So it's just the two of us here all the time. My housemate comes and goes. Um, so he's just here all the time. And so if I have a difficult moment or I'm struggling or I need a break, we just have a cup of tea together or I, I do a little rant or he does a little rant and we take it. And, and then you feel a lot better. You know, I think I'm also. It, it's really strange because when I first uh, when I did my illustration degree and also when I learned to do art, it was obviously at school and then at art, art school um, where there was like anywhere between 30 and 60 people around you all the time. And you get used to people being around and not just them being around, but especially on my degree course, it was um, encouraged that people would come and walk past and tell you like what they thought about something and if you didn't want that you could work at home so if you felt like oh I want to create in private or I, I want to focus you could do that at home but being in the studio was encouraged and we could see each other create and I definitely at the beginning of my career really missed that I missed the um I miss the camaraderie of mm. knowing that there's a bunch of creative people being together. There is definitely a kind of energy you can get that like reverberates around a room when people are creating together, which is really lovely. But now um, I'm definitely I'm making a really persistent effort to learn a lot as I go. I'm not creating very casually. So it's really nice actually for me to be able to focus and in anyth if anything I prefer to work like at night like late into the night when nobody whatsapps me and it's very quiet outside and it's dark and I can't see anything and I'm just in my own you know I, I can give myself the, the permission to uh, switch off the outside world and just do my own thing um I think that creative loneliness happens when you don't have anyone to talk to about your work or you don't have anyone to show about your work or you're not getting any feedback. I mean, there's lots of reasons why it happens, but for me, when I'm not getting any feedback. And so the more I'm posting to Instagram, even if a piece doesn't do very well, I am like interacting with people. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, I, I, and that's really valuable. 
Um, so that kind of helps me helps prevent me being lonely. I would love to have more artistic community offline, and I am like um, um, slowly getting into that more here, which is lovely. Um, and I do like uh, every couple of months I meet up with some lovely um, collage artists, um, and uh, we've been making work together the last uh, few months, and that's been really nice to so just go do that occasionally. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think I like to work alone. I prefer to work alone. At least that's the era I'm in right now. Mm. Who knows? I have, there have been times where I really want to be around people when I'm working. So that could change again. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to realize that as an artist, there are going to be times where you're going to work alone and it's, mm. it's most likely you will be. It's kind of part of the process, but also, also yeah. a lot of artists are quite introverted. So yeah. for a lot of people, it's not a problem. It's, they don't have to yeah. be around a lot of people. And they prefer yeah. not to be around a lot of people whilst they're creating, especially because mm. you're in that state, but you just want to kind of just, you know, get on with things in your own way. Yeah, I'm definitely an extrovert, but in order to create, I have to, um, in order to really think about what I'm creating and create at my most effectively, I have to like shut down communication for a, an amount of time and then I will like work 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 super hyper focused for a few hours and then come out of it and then just want to chill out have coffee have chats you know hmm. um even if no one is around or available to talk to I'll get like get into a whatsapp chat or an instagram conversation or something um so the internet really helps to fill that gap um if it's 4 a.m you know uh, people in the U.S are still awake so I just send some oh, messages out see what I'm people are doing <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly um it's really funny because i post like 6 p.m my time on instagram and then it kind of the engagement tails off and then i notice when americans finish work at like 6 7 p.m their time and i get like a little uptick and i'm like oh mm. that's so nice i got a little bump um and it's funny how that comes in waves like that so what has creating art taught you about yourself this is such a difficult question because i don't i don't really know myself before creating art like I yeah. I I don't mean to say that I would ever start like a bio with oh I've been creating for such a, a young age and I've always drawn you know um that is interesting about people but also most people do draw as kids but mm. I mean what I mean to say is I don't remember not wanting to make things yeah. ever I um my mum was extremely good at sitting down and making crafts with us. And she used to run an after-school crafts club. And oh, wow. sometimes we would make crafts with the kids all together. And uh, so I've just, and she was also a dressmaker. So her, so she would just make things. And I just made things because she made things, I guess. And mm. because I was really driven to and I wanted to. So I don't know. I guess it's really hard to separate what I've learned about myself from being an artist than what I've just learned myself about being mm. alive in the world generally. I, I would say, I yeah, I, I would say, um, I would say I've, I've learned that if I'm interested in something that, that it's always worth following up on that interest, um, like more widely because in my practice, I found if I find a nugget of interest in something, it's always worth writing it down and then seeing if it's worth making something out of it. And it almost always is. 
And in the real world as well, if I find a person interesting or something interesting or something interesting about anywhere that I am, um, I try and follow up on that rather than like leave it hanging, which means that I'm always chasing a bunch of different things all the time and like trying to discover new things all the time. Um, and I think it's taught me to do that. And But about myself, I don't know, that I'm just a person who wants to communicate and is fascinated by people and wants to communicate with people visually and in all different kinds of ways as well. Um, I'm really interested in connection um, as a person and um, that filters into my art and then my wish to connect with people through my art filters into my personality. So I don't really know. It's a bit chicken and egg situation. Sometimes I, I think about like how I think about things and I don't know which has come from what. And I think it's just a, often just a, a circle, you know? Yeah. I have, right. a, I have learned that if I really put my mind to it, that I can create something that I really love. And that's a really powerful feeling that I don't know I would have had if I wasn't a visual artist or wasn't a creative person that, you know, that's good to know about yourself. It's sort of, um, it's the thing that I've created for myself. That's always been there for me, no matter where I am, what city I'm living in, what connections I have, what relationships I have. And that is a sort of a resilience that I made this for myself. Obviously, like I, I, I had a, a lot of systemic help to do it. Like, um, I went to art school and I, I'm very lucky to have gone to art school and I don't discount that at all, but it's, it's my thing, you know, that I made for myself and I'm really proud yeah. of it. So I guess it's that. So I have a question for you from the last mm. artist I interviewed. Um, mm. I think it's probably changed since I sent you the notes actually. Yeah, to be no worries. Um, so this me. question is from a photographer called Andrew Worcester. Absolutely lovely guy. Um, and his question for you is, is there an art form that you've always dream dreamt of doing? And if so, what is it? Ooh, I would love to make big three-dimensional multifaceted sculptures with paper. Oh. Um, oh. I wouldn't want to move away from like working with paper, but I would love to hang different kinds of paper and um, photographs and collages from a ceiling and have them like cascade down in a much more three-dimensionally sculptural assemblage kind of a way. Um, I've, I also, I mean, I, I always under, as an artist, you have this existential feeling where you're like, oh, I want to be a photographer or I want to be a painter or I want to make graphic novels. Uh, but I've, I've had the opportunity to try a bunch of those things. So the thing that is a little bit more out of my reach is just large scale sculptural things that require a stepladder in a large room <laughs> with nothing else in it. Because um, that's always the thing is, um, you know, I've never had a lot of space. So I would like to sort of expand into a space that would be so exciting. That's so interesting. And that's actually kind of funny because when you said about your small collages earlier, I was like, I'd hang mm. them in the ceiling. <laughs> so it's funny. Yeah. You should say that. Well, it's because, like it's, because, it's because I sort of... Um, it's not like that would be the opposite of what I'm doing now, but it's the other end of the spectrum. Mm. And I'm always interested in sort of not exactly the extremes of both ends, but 
like to see how working bigger would influence my smaller work and vice versa yes. would be so interesting. Absolutely. I don't know if I'd be any good at it because I don't, I'm not very effective at thinking in three dimensions, but I for sure would learn a lot and that would make it worth great. it. Yeah, there are a few ashes that I know that I'm going to send your way who yeah, please. do stuff that's kind of quite structural almost. Mm. Um, a couple of people I've spoken to, a couple of people I just know of because their work is really amazing. There's a certain artist called J.I. Chuo who creates these really gorgeous, intricate paper pieces of like the coral okay. reefs. His work wow. is gorgeous. But he's definitely the kind of person amazing. who's like putting them in perspex and hanging them up and He's one of these yeah. artists who are who is going to have such a good long big career. He's only like twenty one. He's wow. going to he's going to have like such a good career. He's one of those people that I I got to meet him a few years ago at the other art fair in London. Um, and he's just one of these phenomenal artists who I just I, every time I see his work, he's just doing something crazy cool and different. And I have so much respect Amazing. for him. Um, I send you a bunch of artists later anyway. Yeah, so please, please, do. please, please um, do. I'll so be fascinated. Do you have a question for the next person I interview? I would say. How are you a person that has a million ideas? And if so, how do you decide which ones to make something from? Because that's my biggest struggle. And if someone has the answer, I'd love to know. But also, I'd just love to hear about how people's ideas become reality and how they choose which concepts they choose to develop and why. So I put here, are you a person who has a million different ideas? And mm -hmm. if so, how do you choose one idea to pursue? Mm -hmm. Sure. And, okay? Yeah. And if not, maybe how does that hyper-focus benefit you? Because some people just oh. don't have that many ideas and they're much, they choose one thing and they work on it for months. And I also have huge, um, uh, huge admiration for that kind of hyper-focus as well. So I don't want people to feel... <laughs> Like, oh, I'm not having enough ideas because I think if you just have one incredible idea, that's worth a hundred mediocre ideas, you know. So next question for you is, can anybody be an artist? Yes. Uh, yes. Absolutely anyone can be an artist. Um, it depends what that means to you. Can mm. anyone be a successful artist? No. But also what does success mean? But yes, anyone can be an artist. Everybody should be an artist. Everyone should make things. I think if you're making things, you're an artist. Like if someone tells me what they're making is art, I'm like, yeah, okay, you're an artist then, you know? You don't, have, you, it's like singing or drawing or running. There's no, uh, you don't have to have, you know, it's not like being a doctor, you know? Yeah, like it's yeah, accessible 100%. to everybody. Yeah, everybody. Which is funny because my next question was, what does it mean to be a successful artist? I In mean, different opinion. things to different people. In my opinion, success is being able to pay my rent and my bills and also learning and growing all the time. So I've been in positions where I've been in corporate design and I've been able to pay my rent and my bills, but I haven't been learning. I've been really stagnant and kind of at the edge of burning out because you're like churning out as I said before, like stuff from corporate style guys or whatever. And so it's really important to me to experiment and learn and grow. But it is also, you've got to finance your life as well. So a balance right. of those two. I love when people 
like and respond to my work, but I'm not really interested in numbers mm. in that obviously when you have a piece that gets a bunch of engagement on Instagram or whatever, that is a very nice feeling, but I would rather have a small community that are more interested in, mm. in my stuff than like a large community of people who are like Passive. not really bothered. Yeah. Cause I think that's the thing. I think you'd rather have five people who ask you about the work than 50 yeah. people who'd like the work. And to be honest, something that's the most difficult thing, I think, for artists when you're trying to just be an artist and make personal work and sell it however you can, is that your community online is other artists hmm. until you yeah. break out of that. We are all each other's community. And that's wonderful because those are the people that I want to hear from and I value their thoughts and, and what they think because they're also creators. But also... Um, most of us don't have that much expendable income yeah. to buy each yeah. other's work. Yeah. So really you need point. to find gallery, really galleries point. and collectors and break out of your sweet mm. creative little bubble. So I know I need to do that a bit more, but um, yeah. that's I'll a really good definitely point. keep my community. Yeah, It's a good point because it's like you, you don't want to sacrifice your community for the commerce, but at the same time, yeah. you also want to make money from what you do because it's time. Yeah. Money is time, as, no, as we will totally. say. Totally. Yeah, yeah. That's a really good point, so, actually. Mm. Sorry, I'm going to think about that now because, like, when you see all these really cool artists who have got really big numbers, you're like, "Oh, actually, how much of that is just actually other artists, and how much of that is that people yeah, actually buying their work?" And how much, how much of that feels like success to them, or how mm. much of that is even monetizable? Um, mm. Because increasingly, you used to be able to have thirty thousand Instagram followers and have a Facebook shop and make a living that's not possible anymore. People are not buying like that anymore. Hmm. Um, so I've seen a lot of artists with like big followings just abandon their accounts altogether and go back to full-time non-creative work or full-time creative work or change course completely because what they used to do to finance their lives just isn't working anymore. Um, so you just have to be prepared to do a quick switch at any time. Um, and not just that. Be really adaptable. Yeah. Not, just, not just that. I think also what I've definitely learned over the years is that the more people you have in a community the more people you have to spend time talking to and the more yeah consuming it can be for particularly mm. if you're not a person who talks a lot or if you're not a person who yeah has the time to be able to communicate with everybody all the time 24 7 yeah i think that's also a thing you have to be very um considerate with your time and your connection yeah. that you're talking to but at the same time just you don't like, want to just not do you don't want to like ignore people either yeah occasionally at the beginning of like um the u.s school year or at the end of the uk one i'll get like students dropping into my dms being like hey i like your work do you want to like talk to me about it for my personal yeah. project and i accept some of those depending yeah. on the message and who's sending it but sometimes i'm like um that is work for me though and i had other plans yeah. right up until can't. january yeah, or whatever. Yeah, um yeah or i'll just send them a bio and some advice but i wouldn't sit down and do an interview like this probably well thank um, you for your time. <laughs> yeah no not at all but that's a completely different thing it's like yeah. you know they're not making a podcast or and also they're like 16 or 15 yeah. or you know um i love to chat with them but it's not worth taking every request. I don't mean to say that there's people always in my DMs asking yeah. me to do things. No, That's not I true. Mean... But I just mean to say that, like, um, yeah, in, in as much as, yeah, you have to be um, conscious about where you're spending, not just your time, but your energy. Yes. And answering emails is part of the job, and it's oh, yeah. my least favorite, and it's the one that takes the most out of me. And I 
I find it hard to explain to people that making the art is the easy part. It's the business thing that I find really difficult. And I think that's common to a lot of us, you know. Yeah, that really is. Right, I have two yeah. more questions for you. So we'll wrap sure. things up very briefly. So the yeah, no second to last question is, what would your younger self think about your work? Think about my work? Yes. I think my younger self would wish that I was doing things a bit more experimentally and being a bit more crazy. Um, but otherwise would be pretty happy. Um, I definitely used to um, want to be like a, a bit noisier, like make, make a bit more of a visible impact. And more recently, I'm a lot more happy to make small things in the quiet, I guess mm. I find more fulfilling. Uh, and myself in my teens and 20s, I definitely, you know, I want to be splashing paint all over billboards and being super punk about everything. But um, you can be super punk in a cozy way. And I guess yeah. that's what I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a, a nice <laughs> poetry to be fair. And also it's nice because <laughs> it's nice because you've also figured out how you like to work. Yeah. You know, what and what that is could like a super again. Yeah, what is like a yeah. super and no, when I'm right. in my sixties yeah. I might be wanting to be out on the town all the time, networking, never stopping, doing huge yeah. canvases, splashing paint on gallery walls and generally making trouble and I yeah. will leave space for that for myself, future self to do that if I need to for sure. If I can. What I love is how adaptable you are and how much you're thinking about I oh, actually I have to be adaptable. I think that's actually really, really helpful. I think that's what's gonna yeah. help you have a very long career. Yeah. Yeah. You really have to. I mean, also, most of the artists I know either are doing other jobs or have done other jobs or know that they might have to do other jobs mm. in the future. Designers, too. Um, and I tended enough bars and worked enough restaurants and, bit, and worked in enough hotels to know that I'm just so lucky to be here right now, yeah. being a designer right now. I don't want to go back to, like, waiting tables, but mm. I could do that. I'm not bad at it, you know. It's fine. I'm so lucky to be able to not have to do that right now. There's also nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. It's like can be really rewarding. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So the last question, double borrow question, mm -hmm. which is what are you currently working on and where can people find more about you and your work? I am finishing up the last seven days of October because I'm a week behind. So I'm going to try and post every day until I think I'm like eight days behind until the 8th of November. I'm then gonna turn those into a zine and the oh. most successful of those are gonna be t-shirts, which I'm gonna launch in my online store for Black Friday, which I hate, but support independent creators yeah. on Black Friday. That's what I do. Um, anything that I was gonna spend, I just send to people whose work I love. So um, if anybody, um, yeah, I guess that will that that's in November. And then next year, my uh, Patreon will be launched. Um, and for that, I have got together a bunch of amazing materials for uh, collage packs. So everybody um, will get like an incredible collage pack with some advice, some basic advice about cutting and sticking and gluing and some um, some like uh, maybe some poetry prompts or something like that or i might just send people amazing materials and those will go out seasonally in january april august and october and they'll be full of like seasonal goodies like lots of vintage materials lots of ephemera anything that i can find right around my neighborhood that i think will be really cool wow. and then um uh, lots of other resources as well on my patreon and that's patreon.com slash college cult but cult with a v 
You can follow me on Instagram at instagram.com um, forward slash Jenny Ariane, which is J-E-N-N-Y-A-R-I-A-N-E. And yeah, or if you search Jenny Lloyd, you'll find me. And yeah, you can buy my work at collagecult.co. I'm around. DM me. Yeah. I'm very, my DMs are open. I love to chat. That's perfect. Jenny, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> thank you so much for inviting me, Aaron. This has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much. That concludes my conversation with artist Jenny Lloyd. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email over at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or get in touch via social media sites such as Twitter and Instagram. The Flying Fruit Bowl podcast can be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, YouTube and Apple Music. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing or subscribing on any of those platforms to help spread the word. Also, please check out theflyingfruitbowl.co.uk for daily art inspiration and if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. The Flying Fruit Bowl also now has a Patreon page. Tears start for £1 a month, and if you're interested in joining, please head on over to patreon.com forward slash the Flying Fruit Bowl. Additionally, we also have a PayPal for one-time donations. All donations go to the running costs of the site, and are greatly appreciated. I'll include a link to our PayPal in the show notes. Once again, folks, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, please stay safe.